When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN. ESPN.com, Giants reporter with the preseason is underway episode. Really, this is going to be uh, mostly a Giants after dark where I answer your questions coming out of the first preseason game and really training camp in general. Training camp uh, officially ended, I believe, last week, last Tuesday. Uh, the final practice that was open to fans was on Sunday. Now, I'm taping this on Monday afternoon, Monday evening. Hopefully, it'll be published on Tuesday. So, And I'll talk about the practices Sunday, Monday, where there was some concerning things that kind of lingered from the preseason game and really throughout all the training camp. And I'm talking Kenny Galladay and, and that area of the, of the Giants and the receiving core in general. So we'll get to that in a second. The Giants after dark, I'll answer your questions in a bit. First, the preseason Opener, the Giants actually won. Davis Webb went down the field, led them to a dramatic victory. No, no, we don't care about that. That, That's, uh, you know, Graham Gano kicked the game-winning field goal. Not important. We want to talk about what we saw from the starters, the first team. And, you know, there was enough to take out of that where you could, I think you could feel semi-optimistic. Okay, they're going, they at least look competent, right? The bar is really low with these 2022 Giants, right? Because Offensively, they averaged 15 points a game last year. So the fact that they moved the ball up and down the field, had to settle for a field goal because Kenny Galladay dropped a pass. Uh, that probably would have at least been a first down. Who knows? You would like to think he could handle the contact and maybe take that into the end zone. But the Galladay concern is real because we're looking throughout the summer. Okay? You're looking for uh, – we're at a period of time now where training camp started in late July. So we're about three weeks into training camp. And we're not seeing Kenny Gallagher get much separation at all. Not seeing him run uh, especially fluid. Seems very tight in the hips to me. I asked some friends around the league, showed him a video of him like running a route. And then I asked, like, you know, is this as, is this as bad as I, I think it looks? And they were just like, well, he's never been much of a separation guy. I mean, that's, that's certainly not good, but I mean, it doesn't stand out to me. But with me in my own eyes, in person, it's something I've noticed. So you add that, you, you put together the fact that he's really not making a lot of plays in training camp. The preseason game, he drops a pass, doesn't get separation. Other catches a underneath third and long uh, pass. So he has one reception, I believe, for like six yards. But then, okay, fine. He's been struggling. You know, you're, you're hoping, the, the one hope is that you cross your fingers here and you say, Kenny Galladay was injured, banged up all last year. He sat on in the spring and wore a red jersey most of the time. He had a little something wrong with him. He's still getting back to getting healthy and explosive. And it's going to come the more he gets back into shape and gets healthier. Now, that's what you're crossing your fingers praying for right now. I don't not extremely optimistic for that right now. I wouldn't completely rule it out, but I'm not overly optimistic. That's the case here. So that worries me. Now, the fact that the offensive line run blocked, really, the off, all three offensive lines run blocked really well. Like, that's... 
that's that's also again something we've seen this summer. It's an extension of what we've seen at practice. I think this team is a better run blocking team, especially the, we're talking about the offensive line here, than they are pass blockers. So they have Saquon Barkley. They're going to run the ball. I think this this might end up being. Uh, I don't like saying run heavy anymore, because even in today's NFL. If you run the ball, we consider a lot. You're still not run heavy. You still pass the ball more than you run it. But in relation to the NFL average, they're going to be a little bit on the run heavy side, I think, because of their personnel, because of perhaps their pass protection deficiencies that still kind of exist. They exist on the interior. They have a rookie right tackle. Their tight end position to me is, uh, I mean, just a black hole. It's they, they just do not have much at the tight end position at all. Like they're asking a rookie fourth round pick to start. I mean, think Rob Gronkowski, who might be the greatest tight end of all time, at least in that discussion. Like his rookie year, he wasn't a super high end player, and you're talking about the greatest tight end maybe of all time. Like he was, he was, you know, he he played, you know, split snaps or sporadically and was like sort of slowly integrated. And now you're asking Daniel Bellinger to come in. Hey, obviously completely different situation, but hey, come in, start. We might need you to play 80% in the snaps. Like that's what you're asking for a fourth round pick out of San Diego State who wasn't used much in the passing attack at all. So it's a big ask. So that, that position also is a major concern and nothing I saw in the game changed that either. There was, he, had some, he had some rough, uh, rough blocking situations. Yeah, I saw he had a good one too. But there were some where it just, you know, you look at it and that tight end position as a whole throughout that game, you're saying this could be a problem, even like equating it to their offensive line. And Aaron Robinson was the other one. That CB2 spot is really rough. Uh, and this, again, extension of what we've seen this summer with Aaron Robinson. Uh, you, you know, the guys, receivers ran right by him. And we're not talking like Cooper Cup or DeAndre Hopkins or Julio Jones in his prime. You know, we're talking second and third string Patriots receivers. And the Patriots don't have great receiver core in the first place. Very handsy, lots of penalties. It, it That spot's a serious, serious concern for the Giants. We'll see how that plays out here over the next few weeks before the season starts. But, uh, you know, that and tight end are the two spots. I would not be surprised to see the Giants add a veteran piece at some point. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about they're going to go out and sign some high-end guy. They just they, they don't have the flexibility for that. They're not in position for that. That's not the way they're going to go. It's more likely along the lines of, uh, you know, a veteran who maybe could play at close to the veteran minimum. So that is what I expect. Now, Daniel Jones in the passing offense looked okay. They moved the ball. They didn't get in the end zone, the red zone again. But, hey, might have been different if Kenny Galladay caught that pass two yard at the two-yard line, probably a little slant. Defender between him, but you put that shoulder and he's a big guy, put that shoulder down and kind of drive. You know, that's that we've seen plenty of receivers take that into the end zone. So it's a play that should have been made. Throw a little low, sure. Brian Dable didn't note that the day extra day after, too, which I, I thought was kind of weird to, you know, note that about your quarterback, but not really say anything about the wide receiver who didn't catch it. So you almost use it as a defense for the wide receiver. So that was a little interesting. Just just things I'm taking note and keeping note of at this point. So enough, even if it was against the second team, like I said, to at least say to yourself, hey, okay, 
the Giants' offense look competent. They look, they look like they have some potential. Get a couple more guys, you know, get a couple guys healthy. Kadarius Tony didn't play again. I saw him last week. I saw it at, at practice. Sort of grabbed at the back of his leg a little bit. Was stretching out the whole time. Had the, the trainer stretching him and then didn't finish that practice. So, obviously, they kept him out of the preseason game. Now keeping him out this week. Now, he is running on a side field, which makes you think he is not. it's not super serious. But it is something we have to monitor, whether it's his hamstring or it's the knee that he had surgery on. It's that same leg. Or if they're sort of connected. So it's something we got to monitor definitely with him moving forward with his injury history, no doubt, only adds to the situation. So Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard still rehabbing from uh, torn ACL. Sorry, torn Achilles. You say to yourself, do the Giants really have weapons, right? I just told you tight end position, pretty bare. Ricky Seals-Jones hasn't practiced this summer, essentially. Got injured very early in training camp. Daniel Bellinger, you got a rookie tight end. Chris Myrick is sort of the next tight end in line. Like, what are we even doing talking about this right now? Exactly. So wide receiver and tight end. Now, big questions. Saquon Barkley, not much behind him. So, you know, they're going to rely a lot on Saquon Barkley. If he plays this year, and you tell me he plays 17 games, he's going to put up big numbers. He's going to play a ton of snaps. He's going to be a great fantasy player. Big if, though. Got to stay healthy, obviously. We know that's the question with Saquon Barkley. And this offense in general, the pass protection in the small sample size we had was a little suspect. Daniel Jones took a bunch of hits. believe it was three. Took three hits on, what, 11 dropbacks, considering one was a run, you know, 10 throws and then one run where he ran the ball. Although he did get sacked, too. So it's 12 dropbacks. Three or four hits on 12 dropbacks. Not the greatest. That's, uh, let's say, uh, a quarter. A hit on every quarter of, of the times you drop back. You drop back 40 times in a game. Get hit 10 times. I guess it's not so bad. Get hit on a quarter of your dropbacks. It's not terrible. If it's a third, it's a different story. Because now we're talking about, what, 13 hits. So there's a little difference there, I guess, between a third, you know, uh, a third or a quarter. So 25 or 30%. Big little little bit of a difference there. So you probably want to get in a little bit under that. But look, this offensive line, again, work in progress. A lot of new pieces. Have to learn to work together. It's going to take time. Now, John Feliciano, he's out for the second time this summer now. He's their center. And again, a little bit more reason for concern. Shane Lemieux injures his toe. He's out now. A lot of injuries. Not major injuries, which I guess you could be happy about. Hey, because really the goal is can we get through training camp, get enough work in, and have all the guys healthy for the start of the regular season. So really, the Giants, who have they lost so far? Dane Belton, who's a rookie safety, has a chance to be back by the start of the season, or at least early in the season. Same with Shane Lemieux. Tony, back soon, hopefully. The only one serious injury is Marcus McKeithen, who tore his leg, you know, his ACL. He's out for the year, but he was a guy who probably wasn't going to play much anyway. He was going to take up a roster spot. And probably not play as a fifth round pick. So not that that's that's not a huge loss in regards for him for this season for their prospects. Now, for the individual, that sucks. He lost, lost his rookie year. But a lot of Knicks, but not a lot of major injuries so far. Remember, I'm taping this on Monday afternoon evening. There's a few more, there's one more practice on Tuesday before uh an off day on Wednesday. So 
We'll, we'll see how the Giants get through the preseason. A lot of numbers but right now on the sideline. Have to get them healthy. But nothing to be overly concerned about in regards to severity of the injury. Now, there's something to be concerned about when you're talking about guys like Tony and Lemieux, who have not been able to stay on the field now, right, for the second consecutive year. So you wonder if their bodies are just, you know, that's sort of the way it goes sometimes. It's sort of a chain reaction. Your body just keeps letting you down. And now it's Shane Lemieux's a toe before it was his knee. I don't think those are related at all. Probably just a bad break, but it is what it is right now. He's sidelined. Now the Giants need to find a solution. Ben Bredesen, name the watch, has had a really good summer. Both at center and guard could play a big role. Josh Azudu, too, the rookie third-round pick out of North Carolina, but he's a little banged up now, too. So keep an eye on Bredesen, though. He, he's a guy that has kind of stood out to me and had a really good camp. Now let's get to your questions. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Ah, yes. It's that time of this podcast where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants After Dark. Question number one. Chris, no longer in St. Pete, says... Is Galde just making business decisions by not playing like he's interested in excelling? Uh, I don't think it's business decisions. Like he's not like worried about getting injured. I just think, A, I think his body's starting to fail him, right? In regards to he was banged up that last year in Detroit. He was banged up last year. Think about it. He had a hamstring injury in training camp last year. So that pretty much sidelined him almost until the start of the regular season. It took him a couple weeks to get healthy. I believe he hyperextended his knee in that Dallas game, I think it was, yeah, because he played in New Orleans. So Dallas in week five, he hyperextends his knee, hurts his knee there. That is this injury that, it's, you know, kept him out for multiple games by the time he came back, wasn't at, in full, full strength. I, so now that's three injuries in the span of basically a calendar year, okay? And now this is a guy who was never super explosive in the first place, he loses a little of his explosion, right? So now you lose a little bit of your explosion when you didn't have a ton to begin with. You know, he has sort of, he's very laid back personality in the first place. And I think that's that's part of why what you're seeing there, that this doesn't come off right. Uh, and it definitely comes off as indifference. Now, whether it is indifference or not, it's hard to tell. Haven't gotten to know him that well. 
it's kind of a little bit of an introverted person. But uh, yeah, so I think kind of that's where we're at with Kenny Galladay. It has the potential to be just up there with the worst of Dave Gettleman's signings. It was him for 18 million is bad. It's almost no chance he comes back next year for another 18 million uh, unless he just blows up in the regular season, which I have a hard time seeing right now. Uh, Nick Rose from Instagram. Question number two. Howdy, Jordan. Uh, do you think well, his question disappeared to me? Do you think the coaching staff would be comfortable with Bellinger starting week one at tight end? Uh, Nick, I think the coaching staff doesn't have another option, really. I think that's what it is here. I think if they had another option, they probably would go in that direction. But, you know, this team just doesn't have a ton of options at that spot right now. Like, you know who's playing? It's Chris Myrick and uh, Austin Allen, who's a rookie, what, out of Nebraska, I believe? Yeah, out of Nebraska. Uh, like, and then Jordan Akins, who kind of has been buried on the third team, kind of, you know what? I'll say that is a little bit surprising because Jordan Akins is a guy who's played in the league. His tight end coach is the Andy Bischoff, I believe is his name, is the one who came over and is now the Giants tight end coach. So it's his tight end coach and he's still buried on the third team. It's a little strange. At Clyde Frog, question number three says, after watching Aaron Robinson, WTF was the rationale on cutting Logan Ryan. Well, first off, let's start by Logan Ryan really didn't play the same position as Aaron Robinson. Aaron Robinson was an outside cornerback. Logan Ryan, at this point in his career, was a safety. Okay, Now, there's no reason to beat around the bush. The reason Logan Ryan was cut was his coaching staff didn't really like uh, Logan Ryan and think he was very good. Flat out. Now, is he a better player to have on your team than Aaron Robinson? Of course he is, but that wasn't the choice. It wasn't, you know, start Aaron Robinson or keep Logan Ryan. No, it was about getting rid of Logan Ryan and giving an opportunity. They'd rather have Julian Love play than they did Logan Ryan. So that's why you have that in that. You know, they just don't, again, they don't have any other cornerbacks. I mean, their second team cornerbacks right now are like Gavin Heslop and, uh, uh, man, it's hard to even remember some of these guys names uh who's number three is zion uh gilbert and darren evans like these guys are running with the second team a lot you know so it's not like they have a lot of other options now now takes us to this next question speckle 19 ken cop says what are your early impressions of flot that's cordell flot the other third round pick barring health could you see him competing for a starting spot by midseason? Now, Cordero Flott, first off, he's banged up now, so he's injured. So he's not practicing for a couple of days at least. He has been out, at least missed a bunch of practices. And in addition to that, Cordell Flott has spent a lot of team behind some of those guys I just named with the third team offense, right? I mean, defense. So he's running with the third team a bunch this summer. It makes me think, does he know what the heck is going on? Is it just too fast for him? Is, it, is he just spinning? So right now, I would say it doesn't look like he's going to start anytime soon. Uh, maybe he will by default, that you're just looking for somebody, anybody to serviceably hold down that spot. But right now, Cordell Flott doesn't look like he's close to getting on the field. He's way behind Darnay Holmes, who's having a great camp in that slot cornerback spot. 
Uh, so he's not even there. And on top of that, I think they'd rather if they pr- they prefer like Flot to play his rookie year, it would be on in the slot and not on the outside. Uh, so sticking to the cornerback position, question number five or six, whatever we're at right now, Andrew Spagnola five says, are they thinking at signing a veteran cornerback and what would the money situation look like? I kind of mentioned this before. If they sign a guy, I would expect it to be close to the minimum salary. The Giants are not in position to go out and sign a guy for three or four million dollars, which is like, you know, you sign uh, you know, the top veteran cornerbacks out there. That's what it might take, you know, two, three million dollars to get the guy. They're probably going to just fill it with veteran guys on the minimum, you know, one million dollars, whatever it is. They don't have a ton of money to play with. Joe Shane admitted he's probably going to have to move some money around just to get through the season at this point in regards to injury replacement. So they don't really want to move money around for guys that are really just sort of fill-in players anyway, and that's what it would be like a Joe Hayden of the world. Like that That's the kind of guy I guess you're probably talking about. Like Joe Hayden's not going to put the Giants over the top. He's not going to help them. He, they're not going to make the playoffs because of Joe Hayden. Now, can it help the team put him in place of Aaron Robinson? Of course it can. But the money factor sits there with this team. It's an evaluation year. They don't want to sacrifice anything if they don't have to really into the future. So at plus sign says, what was the biggest story someone gave you that turned out to not be true? Oh, that's that's a good question. Uh, I would have to think back on it because there's been some crazy stuff. First of all, the Eli getting bench story for Geno Smith was one I had that I didn't think was true. It turned out to be true, but I thought it was so silly. It wasn't true. There was definitely people who reached out to me last year and told me Daniel Jones had this uh, serious neck injury, the one that basically ended David Wilson's career. Uh, so that wasn't true. And I kept, you know, I even asked around a couple times to different people. And, uh, yeah, they told me at the time what it was. And it certainly wasn't that. And thankfully for Daniel Jones, it wasn't that. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'll go with that for now until I, you know, if, if I sat around and thought long and hard enough, I could probably come up with some good answer. I mean, there was some crazy Odell stuff that people used to say all the time to me. Uh, so, uh, you know, and also the, the JPP one. I mean, I thought that one was fake when someone told me he blew off his hand and turned that unfortunately turned out to be true also. But so sometimes it turned out to be true. Sometimes false. Uh, at Zed Nicodemus says, and this is Jay says, by what week do you think Tyrod Taylor is starting? Uh, now here's what I will say about that. The giants are not simply going to bench Daniel Jones, especially early. It doesn't make sense. Right. Why are you going to bench Daniel Jones for Tyrod Taylor? Are they trying to make the playoffs? Like, is there a big difference? Like, would you rather not at least take the shot to see if Daniel Jones is better in this system with this team? Hopefully a little bit better offensive line, some weapons if they if they could stay healthy and at least take the shot, see if he's any good and maybe, you know, hit the lottery on that one. Rather, or, 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 or do you need to, why do you need to go to Tyrod Taylor? Okay, so now you win seven games. You've even eight games. Folks, you go, let's say uh, that everything turns out, they go eight and nine, Tyrod Taylor starts, they win a few more games. They go nine and eight even. Now, now I think you're kind of, we're in dream world. Uh, but like, what, what are we doing? Like, what's, what's the use of that? You might as well at least see if you have your quarterback and go from there. You go nine and eight, A, you don't get a good draft pick. 
how you get in your quarterback, you need to find the quarterback. Tyrod Taylor, again, is the bridge for next year, but what are you going to do? Got to find something. You want to at least take the shot with Daniel Jones. So at the earliest, I would give it six games, and he would have to flop hard. Six, eight games even. I'll say eight games, actually. Almost pretty much half a season. Half a season, here you go. Show us you're our future franchise quarterback. If not, maybe then you move on. But even then, is Tyrod Taylor really a huge upgrade from Daniel Jones? Like, What are we doing? What's the point? Only way I see it happening is if the locker room is done with Daniel Jones. They know he's not the guy. They know he, they don't think he's good. And they all think that Tyrod's the better option for them. But I, they, they're not going to get there anytime soon. I even asked some guys about this. I don't think they think that at this point. They, you look at, you know, Daniel Jones' skill set, his ability to run. He could do, he, he could do some things. They really do. They believe he could do some things. Whether that means he could be their franchise quarterback you want to build around, that's obviously a completely different situation. At Agenda Pusher 58, Manny Madrigal says, how is Ben Bredesen's status on the team in the building after the preseason game? Yeah, Ben Bredesen, uh, I mentioned before, his stock seems to be rising. Now, the more I think about it, Ben Bredesen would have been starting for the Giants last year, but what happened was he got injured twice, actually broke his hand, couldn't really use his hand for a while. I remember Coach Rob Sale, the offensive line coach at the time, said that. So that's really what derailed Ben Bredesen last year. Ben Bredesen is an offensive lineman. The Giants traded for him with the Ravens. They traded a late draft pick. And the goal was to, okay, have him basically come in here and give us depth on the line, possibly even start. End up, he would have started week two once Nick Gates went down. So it would have been, you know, Billy Price at center, Ben Bredesen at guard, and then you move on from there. But Bredesen broke his hand. He couldn't play. Uh, took him a while. He was back. He had a cast. He was, you know, active, but... Couldn't really use his hand. Then he hurt his ankle, I believe, at one point. So it was just a rough year for him. But he looks pretty good so far this summer. I actually have been impressed. I think he is, uh, especially if Shane Lemieux's out, Ben Bredesen is their backup center. He's their, and, and maybe if Shane Lemieux's out and Josh Azudu's not 100% healthy or misses a bunch of time here, he's also might be their starting guard week one. So we have a possibility of seeing Ben Bredesen at one of two positions this season in the lineup, in the starting lineup. So with that, that's the end of Giants After Dark. On to the next one. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's wrap up with a little quick Jordan on the beat. This is where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants work for ESPN or cover the NFL in general. 
And people ask me all the time, they say, uh, you know, how's training camp? What's it like to cover training camp? And uh, basically my answer is it's uh, boring AF, right? And you're like, what do you mean? Well, let me tell you. Come out to training camp practice. You, you realize, I mean, it's not the most exciting thing in the world to watch practice. And then when you watch practice every day, over and over, you're basically looking at the same exact thing. So like they're running the same exact drills almost over and over every single day. And you're like, okay, you know, this gets boring. Like it's, it's cool. I feel like it would be cool if I had never seen an NFL practice and you go and you watch and you see how they separate and, and split up and do all kinds of drills and move around and run live drills. And, but it's not like a game where it's just constantly, they're not constantly playing though. There's down periods. There's a lot of special teams. There's special teams periods mixed in there, you know, watching field goals, watching them go and kick field goals or run and uh, work on punt protection and, and punt coverage and kickoff coverage. It's not the most exciting thing in the world to watch. Basically, when they get to special teams periods, I take note of who's working with the first team because that's very important because that kind of gives you a hint of who's going to make the roster. And then I tune out and I go and I, I take care of whatever I need to take care of. I check my phone real quick. Check my email, make sure I'm up to date. I'm not missing anything big that's going on outside. Any messages from my bosses. Then I get to live periods. It's interesting now. But even then, like I chart the starters, you know, the first team stats. I don't chart the second and third team as well. Like I'm I'm focused on the starters. That's what people want to know about. That's what's important. Now, I keep an eye on it. I'm watching all the second and third team, but I'm not watching it with the same uh veracity with the same keen eye maybe that i am the first team now you definitely notice guys pop up on the second team and third team and then you take note and then you you, you try to talk to people in the organization and see if you like what you're seeing matches up with what's really going on because it's it's hard to watch and see everything that's going on during live drills and see everything at the second it's happening like who's doing well who's doing poorly who so that's sort of what training camp is like. And then, you know, you the most exciting things is like, ooh, there, you know, if you hit a big play or there's a big, a big fight, people like brawls. People like that that really attracts a lot of attention. But if you make like a big play, it's not a big deal. It's like a, you, everyone makes plays in practice once in a while. Everyone makes good plays. Everyone makes bad plays. Like it's gonna happen. There's gonna be that up and down. So none of it is really groundbreaking. But if you do it in a game, you score a ridiculous touchdown in a game, that's that's a huge thing. So we're just kind of making way to get to the real games and try, like I said, the most important part of it is trying to stay healthy. So, uh, yes, preseason training camp is pretty boring, especially after the first few days. You're standing outside, 95 degrees. No, there's no shade whatsoever at the Giants facility. You know, so the sun's just pounding on you. Right. No shade whatsoever in the swamp, watching the same thing over and over again. Now, you know me. I said it a thousand times. Trust me, I'm not complaining. I watch football for a living. I've said that line so many times, can't even count. I watch football for a living. There are certainly worse things to do than watch football for a living. So I'm very grateful. And I enjoy every day that, that this is my job, that I get to go there and watch football. Still, Comes a job and becomes boring. But then you get the free food and the cookies and, uh, you know, the, the, what are the, the seltzers that they have that they give out. Not the spike seltzers. Get your head out of the garbage. I'm not drinking spike seltzers at training camp practice. 
Jeez. Anyway, that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, like, subscribe, tell your friends. I'm going to do a stock up, stock down on YouTube. I know I keep saying I'm going to do stuff on YouTube. It's fallen through a couple times now, but this time, I really am. Stock up, stock down. Check my YouTube page, Jordan Ron on ESPN. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time. <laughs>